this morning because we have got Rachel Hickson coming to speak. She is a friend of this house and she has incredibly blessed us over these past few years where she's connected in and just been part of our journey that we've been on. I'm just going to pray for Rachel um, as she comes to bring the word this morning. She's been ministering all weekend. We've had a fantastic time already over the weekend. I'm just going to pray for you, Rachel. Father God, we thank you so much for Rachel. We thank you for the incredible gift you have given her. We thank you that she is a voice to this church, not just to this church, but to the nations of the world. So Father God, I pray now that you would just anoint her, that you would just put your words in her mouth and she would just see incredible fruit um, for the time and and the and the energy and that she that she is putting into this today and over the weekend, God, would you bless her? Would you bless her family and Gordon as he's away in Malaysia too? Lord, would you think of him today as he's ministering that you'd be with him and you would bless him too? So we commit this time to you. Give us open ears and open hearts to receive your word today. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you. I'm just going to move slightly because there's a little hole there that I'm a bit nervous of. (laughs) I'll end up being baptized. (laughs) It feels like I might go through. (laughs) Um, And it's been wonderful. We've done a conference this weekend called Unblocking the Wells. And so when I came to prepare for this morning, I asked God, well, what do you want me to speak about? And he said, I want you to speak about forget and remember. I believe there's a PowerPoint, well done, you're way ahead of me. Forget and remember. And before you think I'm a bit schizophrenic, it's like, well, seriously, make your mind up, girl. Forget or remember. No, forget and remember. You see, I felt the Lord saying to me as I was praying, and he says, I want the church to upgrade some of its skill sets. And um, it says, in this season... If we are going to do 2018, living a life with a real inner peace and a greater joy, God said this to me. He said, I want you to learn the grace of forgetting correctly and the art of remembering completely. Let me just say that phrase. There's phrases that will come up on the screen. I think we put them there for you. I want you to learn the grace of forgetting correctly. And the art of remembering completely. You see, in 2018, you need to remember to forget. But God would also say to you, do not forget to remember. Remember to forget. I want to just bring one scripture. And I I don't know if you're like me, but I've read my Bible for a lot of years. I said yesterday I got saved when I was four. So that was about three years ago. I mean... 53 years ago. I'm 57. I have two kids. My daughter is 34. My son is nearly 31, 31 on the 29th. I've got five grandchildren. And so you might say, wow, you don't look it. And I say, of course I don't. Isaiah 43, 25. Let's read it together. Isaiah 43, verse 25. Can you read it with me? One, two, three. I, I am he who blots out or forgets your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. And you see, I was reading that, and suddenly I thought, wow, God snuck that verse in. I mean, I was aware of the verse, but if I'm honest, in my psyche, as I was reading it, I read, I, I am he who blots out, forgets your transgressions for your sake, and I will not remember your sins. But God doesn't forget the sins for your sake. He forgets the sins for my namesake. And suddenly I went to, whoa, God does it for his sake. 
So I checked it back. I looked at the thing and that's exactly, believe it or not, you know, what it says. God forgets your sin for his sake. That is quite a different context, doesn't it? And so I began to look at that. I thought, here is this incredible God who states for his own sake, he will not remember your sin. He has made a conscious, intentional decision to forgive it for his own sake. So I began to look at that theologically, look at the root of it, look at it. Because I'd always read it, for my sake, he's gracious and forgives me. Thank you, Jesus. You're nice to me. And suddenly I realize it's for his own name's sake. And many commentaries dodge it because does God have a need? And that's another whole big theological thing. And those that do explore it said, well, actually, for your name's sake has two expressions. And what it's literally saying is that God is stating and confessing for the sake of his integrity and for the sake of his personal well-being in relationships with you and with mankind, he has intentionally made a life choice that he will eradicate, forget, extinguish your, the memory of your transgressions from his world in his relationship with you. So now, let's process that. Everything that God says, we should be able to say, hello, is that true? So now let's read it, because you see, I believe God wants us to be able to make the same statement. I, I am Rachel, and Rachel has made a conscious, intentional decision to forget aggressions, your betrayals, misdemeanors, and your falling short against me for my own well-being and my emotional integrity. And I have intentionally decided this day to draw a line that I will forget, remove all trace of every misdemeanor against me. Wow. You see, we need to recognize that if God needed it for his own sake, integrity and well-being, we have not been, if we're created in the image of God... And if God says within his capacity for his own well-being, he makes conscious decisions to remove all trace of the memories of transgressions. Of, for, Do you get what I'm saying? Then you and I, created in the image of God, were never created with the capacity to store the memories of sins and transgressions. That is why when we carry memories of sins, transgressions, betrayals, they usually don't help. How many would say that's true? So you see, if we allow, and we've been talking all this weekend about unblocking the wells, I want to look at one of the contaminants. We yesterday talked about fatbergs, just to give you a picture. And you see, this is what this stuff does. It literally, as these contaminants... These, this dirt in the well begins to block you up. Suddenly, it grows, it festers, and it pollutes your very life. You see, I've discovered something. Historical people usually become hysterical. And however much you say, no, I can handle it, there are trigger moments when something happens and, and it's often not with the person who, have, who really should cop it. 
Something happens and suddenly, yes, but you don't understand. This happened, that happened, this thing, I don't try. And suddenly the history compiles and the hysteria of emotions, either in full out rage, anger, rejection, or withdrawal, etc. But how many know what I'm talking about? If you're really honest, you know that your history has made you hysterical. You've watched yourself at times. But we live in this sense of, well... Hang on a moment, someone needs to pay. We have that over-eager sense of justice campaigning. How many know what I mean? And the thing is, we forget, and we are Jesus people, someone has paid. Jesus cried out, it is finished. And so that by extending forgiveness, we're not saying they're getting away with it. No, he paid it. But the enemy always makes us feel that just forgetting is such a soft option. You're a wimp. You lose your power. You lose your integrity. You've become weak if you just forgive and forget the wrongs of that person. You just overlook the betrayal. But God spoke to me. He said, don't you understand that trust is always much higher than mistrust? You know, generosity is always much higher than defensiveness. But the trust, the trust God, that as you forget the wrong and choose to remember the best is so powerful and so redemptive, you become like God. And this ensures your emotional well-being and your healthy life. Do you understand what I'm trying to do here this morning? You see, it's powerful. We need to remember to forget. Most of us, and as we get older, we discover it even more. Most of us need to upgrade our emotional intelligence. So 2018, make that one of your things. How many of you have watched yourself and thought, I've just behaved like three years old? You know, someone cut in front of you, took your back, and suddenly you're like, and you're trying not to swear, and inside you have, and you're all mad and up, flustered, and things. And in the end of it, you get out, and you think, seriously, you stupid idiot, all they did was pull in front of you. Grow up. But our reaction is so out of proportion to what has just happened. What was that? Why are we so emotionally near the edge? Someone knocked me with a shopping cart. I just watched that the other day and thing. And this person just touched and thing. It was, she was a bit distracted because she was trying to take. But the person in front, I mean, you would have thought she'd murdered and stabbed her three times. And you just think, what has happened? Why is our emotional intelligence interaction so weird? And we can't blame the kids. I've watched many over 50s score majorly. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. So you see, we've got to remember to forget. We've got to remove these contaminants. We've got to remove these blockages. We need to realize that the unforgiveness and remembering the wrong things. You know, we're talking about these fat birds and contaminants. We need to realize these things are luxuries we cannot afford to keep because it pollutes the very wellspring of our life. We need to decide intentionally to, I will forget the wrongs that people have done to me. 
We need to begin to really come to a cognitive agreement with the word of God that actually keeping an account against people who've been mean to me is, sets me up on a road of self-harming emotionally and finally physically. And that self-harm is quite an emotive word, but I'm going to use it because I really do believe that when we begin to store up illegitimate stuff on the inside, at first it looks like, oh, well, it's just a little bit of this and that. But after a while, it so clogs up the inside of how you're wired, your emotional responses, and suddenly you find yourself being weird. How many of you have ever watched yourself doing something and thought, what was that about? I have. Well, you see, it's because there is a knock-on effect of the contaminant, pollutant. Something has blocked the essence of the wellspring of life. And we spoke yesterday that the well should speak life. The well should speak joy. The well should have a song in it. It should bring happy. But so often, that's hard to do. Why? Because we're blocked up with this negativity. And actually, unforgiveness and wrong memories and the storing actually is self-harming. It damages us. When God stands and said, for my name's sake, I will not. And you discover that's because his personal integrity and his own well-being of life is damaged. If he knows and he's saying as the creator God, how much more we? And there's so much self-harming of the very essence of our life when we store the wrong stuff. Injustice, bitterness, resentment, anger, depression. They all become these fatbergs that contaminate the very wellspring of our life. And we can't flourish. We need to forget what other people do. But then this is the next sense of what I want to say. And as I prayed, I really felt, especially for many men and for many of us who are a bit older, say over the 40s, that sort of side, You need to forget your own mistakes. You see, in exactly the same way that God says now, I, even I, I have forgotten all transgressions. There is a right forgetting of your own mistakes. Do you realize that in the same way as we cannot carry And we're not made to carry all the offenses, memories, etc. of other people's transgressions. You cannot carry your own. Jesus carries your sin. And when we try to carry it, that word regret is one of the biggest fatbergs that stuffs us up in life. We've got to get rid of it. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians Chapter 7, verse 10 with me. 2 Corinthians, chapter 7, verse 10. And it says this. Can you read it with me? One, two, three. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret with that kind of sorrow. One more time. For the kind of sorrow that God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret with that kind of sorrow. There is no regret with true repentance. No regret. You see, 
there is a sorrow. There is that thing that just said, I really messed up. I shouldn't have done that. Maybe you look back at a marriage, a relationship. Maybe you had an abortion. You put a child up for adoption. There was stuff in your relational life. You slept with someone you shouldn't have done. You've looked at stuff you shouldn't have looked at. There's stuff that's got in your world. And it's in the back of your tag. And, you, and I've, I really felt God said, especially for some men here. And they're sort of like, well, I'll man up to it. I'll own it. I was an idiot. I've done some stuff. And... It's on your back burning. It's a reference point still in your life. But you see, when you come to Jesus, he said, in that coming to Jesus to the cross, you walk through, you walk away from sin and you walk into redemption. And if you do the journey of true repentance, there is a sorrow that brings you to a cross. And then at that cross, you give it to God. Then you walk through Jesus and you walk into salvation, Zozo. And that makes all things new. The old is past. The new has come. You don't carry it anymore. There is not on you. And in that true journey of redemption, there is no regret. Because he makes all things new. But one of the most devious and sneaky contaminants that the devil convinces us we have... And usually if we're more sort of integrous, upright, well, I'm going to own it. I'm going to man up to it. I'm going to think is that he makes you carry it. But remember, but you need to remember to forget. There are certain things that the devil's pressing your button on, but remember. And it somehow appears reasonable. It even appears integrous and accountable. Yeah, I need to remember because I was an idiot. But I have found regret robs more people and especially men and brings them into depression, sadness, inertia, a sense of, well, I better not put myself, I'm not so great. I'm second class, I'm mediocre. But Jesus as I prayed about it, I felt it so importantly. It was actually during the Christmas time. He told me, you're to preach on this. I wasn't even sure how I could do it and if I could do it in a Sunday morning in a time. But I felt, he said, go as a mummy to the house and set up this house to forget, put a line, and to remember. Because the death wraps that have been round, even as a community and individual, it's time to break it out, break it through. Because I felt there's incredible men, incredible women, incredible people here that just need to suddenly think, yeah, it is finished. And knowing your knower, we need to remember to forget. And we need to forget and forgive all wrong actions, especially ours especially ours. Those times in your early marriage that weren't great. Just decisions maybe you've made financially that now you're still living with the consequences of. I don't know what it is, but there's that sense of, yeah, but if I wasn't such an idiot, I wouldn't. And you're still paying the price. And Jesus is standing here. I paid it all. It come to, you walk through. I am a savior. There is no regret. Regret is a cruel taskmaster. So what does forgiveness mean? Forgiveness does not mean that you agree with the actions. 
by forgetting, by forgiving what happened to you, why what people do. It doesn't mean you now agree with it. Forgiveness is not agree. Forgiveness just means that you no longer hold these actions against other people or yourself. You release God to be the judge of all things. And you say, actually, this is not my business. It's not my reference point. It's not my counterpoint. God, I trust you, the judge of all the earth, to look at my life and make a good assessment of me. God, I trust you, judge of all the earth, to look at other people's life and judge them. And I come under the incredible redemptive love of God and I am totally free as if I have never sinned, never made a mistake, never done it wrong, never did anything. I am totally a new creation with a clean sheet because it is a God that absolutely loves me. There is no regret he's made all things new that is our message Romans 12 I just want us to read it you see this is the incredible gift never pay back evil with more evil do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable do all you can to live at peace with everyone dear friends never take revenge Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, he'll do it. He'll pay them back. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. Thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you shift atmospheres. You put burning coals of shame on their heads. So don't let evil conquer you. But come on, turn it around. Conquer evil by just being outrageously good. So just pause for a moment. Say, Father, say it with me this morning. Father, help me to forget that which I've done, that which others have done. Help me. We need supernatural amnesia. But we need to remember correctly. We also need to remember. You see, when you've been through a very tough time, it is really interesting how you look back at a year and you will highlight or your memory goes negative rather than positive. And even in the negative circumstances, maybe you've had, like dear Aaron, walk through the cancer. You remember those days of the chemo, the radio, the hard stuff, the sick stuff, whatever. And you forget the wonderful sparkles of the miraculous in the mundane. Because you remember the mundane. You remember the hard stuff, the trouble. And so when you've been through a troubled time, it's amazing how our human nature downsizes God and upgrades our trouble. And so we look at difficult seasons and we've lost the grace and the mercy of God. And we remember the onslaught of life and the enemy. How many agree? And I feel that God wants to say to you, I want you to remember correctly. And he had this problem with the Israelites. If you remember, going through the wilderness, they always were whining and complaining. But they lived in daily miracles. 
Every day they had a miracle. Every day they had manna, supernatural bread coming from heaven. They had quails coming. Every day they had shoes and clothes that never wore out for 40 years and were supernaturally maintained. Every day they had weather patterns of cloud over their head and fire at night. They had supernatural weather to keep them alive. I mean, that's not just one miracle. That is living a life of miracles, yet they were totally unaware of any miraculous intervention in their life. And if you read most of the story of the wilderness, you just hear, well, there was not this and this was fighting and that. They totally could not remember God. And I believe God wants to say to us as a church, wake up. Behold God. There is miraculous. You're not waiting for miraculous in your mundane. There is miraculous in your mundane. Right now, even if you had the worst year, you lost your house, you lost your job, everyone died, including your dog, there was still a miracle in your mundane. Do, Do you understand? And I feel God's just saying, come on, remember correctly. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, but remember the Lord your God, for he is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And as I explained yesterday, that word wealth doesn't just mean a million pounds in the bank account. That word wealth means a well-being of soul, body, soul, mind, spirit, being. It means influence, authority. It means a a well-being within and a prospering without. It does mean you've got money. It does mean that there is financial blessing, but it means far more than that. To be wealthy in the Hebraic sense is much more holistic than just a happy bank balance. So he gives you the ability to produce a rounded, holistic, good life. And he confirms his covenant with you, and he does this day. And I just felt God wants you to look back at some of your difficult times. So remember, look back at some of those difficult times and ask God to reawaken in you the miraculous in your mundane. Say, oh God, help me see the fingerprints of God even in some of the nastiest, toughest times of betrayal. Because I promise that in the toughest season, God never left you. But the devil sometimes convinces us he went on mute. He might have gone a bit quiet, but he was not irrelevant. He didn't disappear. And it was while I was walking over the fields and I was thinking of a time in my teenage years. I was really badly bullied when I was at boarding school between the age of about 11 and 14. They were horrendous years. If I told you some of the stories, I mean, quite honestly, they make, you know, all the sort of boarding school abuse stories just seem very normal, unfortunately. And I was thinking about it all and I thought, yeah, those years were hell. And I felt God say, but don't you remember what I did for you? And inside I sort of went, yeah. He said, what about? And suddenly, I mean, I am 57. This is when I was 14. So this is 40 plus years ago. He said, what about Miss Hunt and Miss Payne? And I thought, oh, my word. I'm amazed I can still remember their names. And Miss Hunt was my maths teacher. And Miss Payne was my physics teacher. And they came to the school when I was about 13, year nine. 
And suddenly they turned up and they were new and they were trendy. All the other teachers at this missionary boarding school, about 60 years old, they were typical Clark sandals, hairy legs and bun and just looked awful. There was nothing attractive to a 13-year-old. When you grow up, do you want to be like me? No. It was sort of... And, but these two women turned up. They were, looked cute. They dressed cute. Sounded interesting. And everybody loved them. The great thing was that I'm good at science. So I did maths really well, I'm physics really well, and so I topped that thing. And very quickly, I got a relationship with them. They also really loved love Jesus. They were also filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were, they were curious, and I knew there was something there. And our school was very God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Book. And um, so... But they were interesting to me, and, and God had just filled me with the Holy Spirit back in my um, home church, and I'd come back, and I was hungry, and they recognized that. And suddenly as I'm walking the fields with all the bullying and the stuff that had gone on, God said, well, don't you remember Miss Hunt, maths teacher? And she put me up for special tutorials, and everyone was like, ha, ha, you have to do it. But I didn't care, because when I was with tutorials with her, I didn't get bullied, and I wasn't out and stuff. But also, she made awesome chocolate cake. <laughs> and every time I went for this tutorial, there was this chocolate cake. And it was like I felt God smile as walking. He said, I knew you needed some love. And I created a space for you in a very austere, religious, harsh Indian thing to make sure you got chocolate cake at least twice a week. God knows a girl needs chocolate. And suddenly I just began to smile. I thought, yeah, that's true. Those became islands of hope. And he said, then what about you had to get special passes to get out at the weekend? You were just in the whole time. And Miss Payne took a shine to me. And she always used to let me be, give me sort of the award, etc., and book me in to go out with her on Saturday afternoon. She'd take me out for tea to make me out to do things. And I was teacher's pet. And I suddenly thought about it. And I thought, yeah, Miss Payne. And Miss Hunt were put there by God to give me oceans of sanity in a very abusive thing. And I had never seen it. Now, come on. There were people that God set across your path in your workspace and in your life space and next door. And maybe you thought, well, that was hell. Those three years were absolute hell. Nobody knew. But come on. Don't remember hell. Who were the faces? What were the breakthroughs? What were the unusual, unexpected Come on, remember God. Remember God. Remember God. You see, it's time to stir up your memory. Now is a time to remember. Not remember what hasn't been, not remember what should be, but remember what, who is and what has been gifted. It's time to remember. I just want to pick one psalm and I want to... Come quickly, because I do want to give time to pray. Psalm 77. And this is David. I love David because he's raw, he's honest. And he's in one of these moments about, God, I hate the world. They're all after me. They're trying to kill me. I'm depressed. I think I'll end it all. You know, it's down with my soul. I'm having a depressed moment. And then suddenly he's like, but when I remember God, I moan. In other words, he's having a moment when he's saying, and they're really mean to me. I can't believe the way they're talking to me. They're just clawing in my back. They're gossiping about me all the time. They're just backbiting, talking. You can't trust anyone. People are just mean and horrible. 
And then suddenly he says, but let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate. And you see this two twin track of I don't trust people, don't trust myself, don't want to do life, let's end it all. I hate the gossipers, I hate the bullying. And then the next minute he's like, yeah, but God, you're there. When I remember you, it all looks different. God, I hate it. God, actually, it's okay. And one of the things when you read the Psalms, I just want to give you his homework. Notice how many times it uses this phrase, and in the night. Because you see, the devil has a strategy for your nighttime. How many of you notice when the lights go out, the devil is very active? And shadows always look bigger. And he says here, but in the night time I will sing. In the night time I will remember God. Oh, in the night time. And I, I think it literally is the night time. How many of you have two o'clock or three o'clock moment in a nightmare stuff? In the night time. And we need to just say, no, in the night time I will consciously say, God is with me. I'm not going down the worry street. God, I'm going to sing to you. God, I'm going to remember you. On my bed, I will consciously. And if we begin to make that a habit of life and we remember to remember God in the night time, I tell you, many of our lives would have a different perspective when we wake up in the morning. So God wants you to rehearse your God's story. You see, every single one of you have a God's story written on the inside of you in your DNA. Remember it. Remember that which you know has been promised to you. Remember that which you have touched and handled. Remember that which is coming to you. You know, 2 Timothy 1, 5-7, and Paul talking to his son in the Lord, he said, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. I've seen this quality of faith before. This faith dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I know it's, and I'm sure, somewhere it's tucked up in you. Stir it up. For, our, for this reason, I am telling you, stir up. Stir it up. Because it's got hidden. It's got blocked up. It's got suppressed. But I know, when I look at you, you remind me of your mum and your grandmum. And he says, and I'm sure it does dwell in you. It's just hiding. Now stir it up. Fan it into flame. Because it's been given to you by the Spirit of God. But it's time to wake it up. Remember what is in your DNA. And finally, it's time to create memories. Even if you think, well, I look back at my DNA, it's not great. God has given you, however old you are, the supernatural ability to create a memory. You can put down the legacies. For the next thing. Joshua chapter 4. I want us to finish this scripture if you'll read it with me. One, two, three. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us dot, 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 dot. You see, there are stones those stones reminded them of the incredible victory they had in Jordan. But I believe God is wanting you as a community of Riverside Church, create memories. Maybe even within your house, create memories, get some rocks. You're here, 
next to you, got dark, well, you've got a beautiful place to walk, pick out the stones, bring them back, begin to describe and say, we, we put this as a landmark. And when the kids say, Granny, what's that stone? Oh, make a picture gallery. I've got pictures in my house. My little granddaughter, Annabelle, she's now three. I've got a picture of me in a wheelchair. She said, Granny, why are you sitting in that chair? I said, because for the many years, I, Granny couldn't walk. She said, really? So I tell her the story. She says, really? So always she goes, she said, that's Granny's special chair. But Jesus and the angels made her better. <laughs> she knows the stone. Put up the stones. Tell your kids the stories. One of the things we did with our kids is when we were hard up, financially and things, there were, there's appropriate times to let carry it as a household without freaking the kids out that they're going to lose everything. But you do it in a way. But I remember when someone gave us a gift of a cheque, I said to Gordon, that would mean nothing. Let's go to the bank and we cashed it all into money, into £10 and £5, put it all on the table when they came home from school. Because we sat there and we prayed very regularly, God, we need thee. We just put all the money in a huge pile because check means nothing to a kid of seven and ten. They said, this is what Jesus gives for us today. Someone said they wanted to bless us from God. My kids have never, ever forgotten that. Make memories. So as we come to time now, I want to give you time. Let's just come into the presence of God. Will you remember to forget? We're going to go right back. Just help me move this because I'm not sure I'll do it very well. (laughs) Thank you. And I do want to give you a response moment. I, even I, for my name's sake, I will blot out. And for some of you, you know that this is a blot out, delete, cancel moment. And that's a walk of faith of God. I just know that I've stored stuff up in the well of my life that's not done me a lot of good. And I don't know exactly how you do it, but I want to ask you to help me make an active decision today. I will forget. For some of that, that's you. It goes back to right to your child. There's just memories that come back to you again and again. And you've almost felt, well, that my integrity has to be, I did it, ought to own it. But this is the end of it. There is no regret with repentance. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Leave it at the cross with Jesus today. And walk out, take it free. There's other stuff with people. You've always felt, well, yeah, I just, but I just need to be reasonable about it. They did do this and you've held on to it. But it always triggers you again and it sets you on another loop. And you're just saying today, no, I'm going to forget it. I will forget it. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to live by the grace of God as if it didn't happen and just shift my whole remit. And I'm going to ask you, God, to upgrade trust so that my wellspring goes free for my own name's sake. If that's you this morning, maybe we could all stand. I just want to give people an opportunity to come forward. And I want you to just lay it at the foot of the cross. I just want you to give it to Jesus. Then you might say, well, that's a really big thing. But actually, this is a real life transforming thing. Would you just stand with me? 
And it just makes it easy for people who want to move. If you're sat in the middle, just come forward. I want this just to be a very personal, sweet time for you and God to just say, God, I'm letting go of this regret. God, I'm letting go of this situation. I'm asking you for grace to forget today. If that's you, just come forward. I don't want to make it a big, long thing, but you just respond. I know it takes courage, but I can just feel it in the ring. So just do it. Just do it. Thank you. And I just know as you step right forward, come right forward if you can, then it just gives people room behind you. Thank you. I want you to look right into the face of Jesus. No one's going to ask you what it is or what it's thing. This is very much between you and God right here, right now. And you just do it. And we just want to give you a moment. Because it takes great courage to do what you're doing right now. I really felt that there were some men. So I prayed this morning, God said that there's some men. You carried it for a long time and it's almost been your integrity and your accountability that's just, well, I need to keep a measure, I need to keep a look of it. And he's just saying, you can let this go. And that regret thing is huge. I believe there's some people here, your marriage messed up you, and you've watched the way your children have grown up. And you've just said to yourself, yeah, but I wasn't a great father. I wasn't great here. And most probably the reason the kids aren't doing as well as they could or this isn't going, most probably on my door. And you, you, you take a lot of blame for it. And you allow the devil to put a rucksack of regret on your life. Today, God says, no, give it to me. It's not yours. Maybe we could just sing something. And as we sing just something that's very gentle, prayer of dedication. I want you to just give that, make it your prayer to God. Just say, yes, God, here I am, have me. I'm yours. <laughs>